Welcome to the SRUC podcast. I'm William Ansel, Head of Content and Digital at SRUC, and I'm joined once again by Lorraine Johnston, who is SRUC's Bee Advisory Officer. This is episode four of our series on beekeeping, and today Lorraine's going to be talking about varroa and the dangers it can pose to bee populations. Hi, Lorraine. Hello. So, Lorraine, take me through what is varroa? Well, varroa is a tiny mite about the size of a mustard seed that's that's really quite difficult to see. It's oval in shape and a sort of reddish-brown colour, and it has eight legs. Uh, varroa came into the UK from imports uh, of bees in the 1990s, and it's a reportable pest now. So basically, those of you that are uh, registered on bee base, you'll see that there's... Uh, a box on there that you can actually it, it will be ticked for most people on the mainland because most people on the mainland do have varroa but if you absolutely know that you don't have varroa you can untick that box the varroa might can be really quite hard to spot and difficult to see uh, with the naked eye some people use a, a magnifier to see them and certainly if you wear um spectacles you you really should use those because uh, they're like I say they're very small and uh, difficult to see and you you probably wouldn't see them on the the bees with a light infection so you might look at your bees and go I've got no varroa when actually you probably do. You just mentioned bee base can you tell me what bee base is? Yeah, Bee Base is um, a place where you can register bees, um, register your colonies. It's really important to keep that up to date. Um, It's not compulsory to have your bees registered, but most responsible beekeepers do so that they get notifications of disease in their area. Um, It's also got a vast array of information on beekeeping and bee pests and diseases as well. So it is a really good idea if you've not signed up to BeeBase to do that. Is it part of the National Bee Unit? Yes. So it's nationalbeeunit.com. Anyone wanting to check out BeeBase, just go to nationalbeeunit.com and then you can sign up, see the resources, register and you can also contact them if you need to. So when we're talking about varroa, how does it attack the bees? So at first it was believed that the varroa fed on the bees' hemolymph, which is, it's not like blood, but it's the closest thing to to that that bees have that we could, you know, sort of suggest or talk about. But then evidence came to light that actually it was feeding off the bees' fat bodies and then weakening them and making them more susceptible to other diseases. Um, some recent studies have shown that it actually might be both at different stages of the bee de- of the bee's development, um, but it's widely accepted that the the varroa feeds off the fat bo- bodies of the bees, and then you can imagine it, the bees are weakened by this. The varroa breed in the brood cells of the honeybee, and they prefer the drone brood cells, the male brood cells, because they have a longer time to re- reproduce in there as well. And what impact does varroa infestation have on a colony of bees? So, like I said, when varroa feeds, um, as well as taking essential nourishment away from the developing bee, the mite can act as a vector to spread virus. In a 
heavily infested colony, they can become much more widespread and potentially harmful by reducing the, the bee's lifespan. And the bees uh, will become weak and it could lead to the colony's demise if nothing is done to combat the problem. Doing nothing isn't an option. Bees can develop or deformed wing virus, which can look like their wings have been frazzled or melted, and this means they can't fly or forage for food. What can a high infestation of varroa lead to? It can lead to a colony developing something called parasitic mite syndrome. So parasitic mite syndrome shows the, the symptoms of what's called virosis, which can include deformed wings, um, a really poor brood pattern with, we sometimes call it a pepper pot brood pattern, where there's um, not consistency in the brood, there's different gaps where the the dead larvae have been removed. Um, they have smaller abdomens as well. And some brood infested by Varroa might actually die, and usually it's at the pupil stage of development, and they remain in the cells until removed by the adults. So the pupa remain there until the adults remove it. Um, and you can see the varroa mites on, on remaining bees in a, if it's a high infestation and on worker and drone pupae and on the hive floor. It can cause other problems with the brood as well, such as sac brood and ball brood and patches of neglected and dead emerging brood, which is often discoloured brown and partly removed by the bees. Sometimes um, people believe that they have got hygienic bees and that they will remove those um, dead larvae quite quickly. I guess the key question is, how would beekeepers know if you have a low or high infestation of varroa? So. You have to use a method to count the, the average number of varroa mites in a hive, but there are many ways to do this. So we're going to discuss that um, and how to carry out those uh, different counts in the next podcast. And where can listeners go to get more information on varroa? So there are lots of um, really good books, one called Managing Varroa. It's a relatively new book that's out there. Um, you can find a Managing Varroa booklet on BeeBase. And hopefully at some point this year, we're developing an SRU website for beekeepers and you will be able to find more information um, there later on this year, hopefully. And I hear we've got some in-person events from the Farm Advisory Service coming up in the Highlands for crofters, farmers and beginners. What will be involved and when will they be? So the events kind of begin on the 28th of February. So I've got a, an association talk in Elgin on the 28th. And then I will be in Sky for two days um, on the 29th and the 1st. And then in Dingwall for two days on the 2nd and 4th of March. And then in Nairn on the 4th and 5th of March. And basically what we're doing there, it's an event for crofters, bee farmers, smallholders and beginners and we're going to be looking out how how to get started in beekeeping, what to do, where to get your equipment from, how to use it, what you'll need, um, 
the legalities of it all, um, signing up to BeBase and just giving them information and advice on how to get up and running with it. As Lorraine said, we'll be doing more on Varroa in later episodes because it's such a detailed subject and it's a big one for beekeepers to be aware of. We'll put the links to the National Bee Unit and Bee Base in the show notes and we'll also put in some links to the Farm Advisory Service website and the bee pages there, which are also a great read. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the SRUC podcast. As usual, you can listen to all our episodes on your podcast app of choice and you can also listen online to all our episodes at sruc.ac.uk forward slash podcasts. Lorraine, thanks so much for your time and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Thank you.